Welcome to the Tech.eu podcast with myself, Neil Murray, and Roxanne Vasa. Hi, Roxanne. Hi, Neil. So this week, we'll be covering Skyscanner's new unicorn status and mega round of funding. We have updates from Berlin SoundCloud, both in terms of funding and a new deal they've just inked with Universal. We'll be talking about the nearly 200 French startups that were at CES in Las Vegas earlier this month and the ones to watch. And person of the week is Turkey-based VC investor Kenkut Durgan, who works with Aslanova Capital. And finally, Neil and I will wrap it up with a discussion of European acquisition culture. Do European-based corporations acquire enough? So kicking it off, seems that Europe now has a new Scottish unicorn to add to the growing unicorn list. So we have Edinburgh-based Skyscanner. Actually, I didn't even know that they were Scottish. And they have just announced a mega round of funding, which values the company at $1.6 billion. So it's actually a really interesting group of investors. They poured in $192 million. So that was the last round they just closed. And the investor list includes names like Yahoo Japan and an investment arm of the Malaysian government. I'm going to butcher the name, but it's Kazana National Berhad. The investor list also includes names like Artemis and Vitruvian Partners. So quite quite a long list, but very diverse list of investors. Skyscanner is perhaps one of Europe's older startups. So they're founded in 2003. And the company started raising, actually raised its first round in 2007. So that was a 5.1 million A round with Scottish equity investments. And the last round that they closed was in 2003 with Sequoia Capital. I don't think they released the amount that they raised, but it valued the company at nearly $800 million at the time. So now we're looking at essentially Skyscanner, which is really taking off. The company has 10 international offices, so they have actually some kind of traditional and untraditional locations like Spain, Bulgaria, China, Hungary, the U.S. They have two offices in Scotland, and the company currently employs 700 people, including former head of engineering from Amazon and Skype, so that's Brian Dove. Is this officially the first Scottish unicorn? No, actually, I wouldn't say it is. I would actually call Fangel the first Scottish unicorn. See, many people forget these are actually from Scotland because they're so heavily in the US. They're kind of competing with DraftKings. A lot of their operations are in the US. They're very much just focused on the American market because it's a fantasy football game, basically. So it's based on American football. So as you can tell, most of their business is naturally over there. But this is very much a Scottish company. It was started there. They still have offices there. In my opinion, this would I would call this a second Scottish unicorn, which is actually really, really impressive. And especially for Edinburgh, I believe Fangio is also from Edinburgh. I may be wrong on that, but I'm pretty sure that they are. So if that is the case, then Edinburgh would have two unicorns. I think their population is like half a million. I always talk about the Nordics in terms of how great they're doing per capita and how, you know, Stockholm per capita is doing so well. And although Stockholm even still would beat them in terms of unicorns per capita, I'd say Edinburgh must be one of the best cities in Europe for unicorns per capita now. Yeah, I guess that comes to me as quite a surprise considering I didn't even know the company was Scottish to begin with. So I think that's a really great point to also be considering the size of the city um, when we look at these companies as well. So Definitely, I think uh, we have to congratulate the Skyscanner team and keep on paying attention to them as they move forward. 
Now we'll move away from Scotland and over to Berlin. We've got quite a bit of news regarding music startup SoundCloud. So a Swedish news site Digital announced that the company has raised 32 million in debt funding. So apparently this funding comes from American Tenenbaum Capital Partners, which is said to specialize in special refinancing situations. So that definitely doesn't sound good. <laughs> no. What There's a couple of things that are interesting about this. Firstly, that SoundCloud have been trying to raise around for quite some time. And obviously, I don't think that's perhaps come off in, in the way that they wanted to. But of course, they still needed this cash injection. So perhaps this is the road that they had to go on. Even still, it doesn't look too disastrous in the sense that actually this was done at the beginning of last year. So they're already kind of 12 months down the line. I think sometimes when these happen, you think, oh, you know, how long, what's going to happen to the health of the company? But we already kind of know what's happened to the health of the company because this was nearly a year ago and these documents were just uncovered. So clearly they're still going. So it's not kind of as disastrous in the sense that you could kind of see what happened next because they're still around. They've just signed this deal with Universal. So things are perhaps still um, relatively okay there, but of course it's not ideal. Another thing to note is actually there is option for, for further loan as well, or further funding in terms of this deal as well. And this is, you know, it's almost, uh, I mean, it's not a bridge round, but it's almost a bridge to, to what's next for SoundCloud and kind of what they're doing next and will that pay off or not. So in a way, I think this funding is, is to kind of just support that next step. And this next step is going to be so vital to the future of the company and how well it does. Yeah, and I think it's interesting because while there have been rumors for a while, actually, that SoundCloud has been having some financial trouble, not trouble, but, you know, struggling a little bit. There were rumors two years ago that Twitter was actually interested in acquiring the company. So not all has been gloomy. And despite the fact that SoundCloud actually is in a really competitive space, so in terms of streaming up against people like Spotify, Deezer, Pandora, iTunes, they've been able to grow their community. So despite all the tough competition, but they've definitely struggled to monetize. So I think that's really where they're going to have to deliver. That said, the company did announce last year that they had 175 million users uploading 12 hours of audio every minute. So that's just putting the product in perspective. And they have already raised over 120 million with some really heavyweight investors like Union Square, Index, Kleiner. So I mean, I think SoundCloud probably we should we should put everything really in perspective. They're not going to be going anywhere. And I guess despite the not so great news on the funding side, the company did just announce this past week deal with Universal Music Group. So I guess that's kind of been uh been something they've been working on for a while, Universal will have access to SoundCloud's promotional analysis and data tools to help their artists with sales. And SoundCloud will have access to Universal's roster of new artists. Yeah, I think this is a really kind of key deal to them. And that's kind of what I was getting at before is that I feel that this is, is, is almost critical to the business. And this kind of money that they got, I feel is almost kind of a bridge to this and seeing how this plays out, basically, because I, I think they kind of put a lot of eggs in a basket in this type of product. So enabling these tools to kind of help the artists with sales, I think there is kind of a big kind of business opportunity here for SoundCloud, and especially in terms of them getting new artists as well. So I think this is really, really important. And in many ways, I do think that this deal has been in the works for quite a while as well, or at least rumors of it. So this money is almost kind of getting them to that point to figure out what's next. Yeah, and SoundCloud has actually also announced that it will roll out advertising and subscription services in the US and other markets this year. 
Yeah, I mean, again, it's this kind of next step that they're taking. But actually something that I particularly like about SoundCloud and something I think that they get really, really right is actually music discovery. Now, we've seen with Spotify and Discover Weekly, everyone's really, really loving that right now. And this has kind of been a really kind of great selling point for Spotify, but they're so good at suggesting music that you would like listening to. And people have loved this kind of new-ish feature on Spotify. But actually, SoundCloud are really, really, really strong in this area. And I actually found when I listen to SoundCloud, part of the reasons why I do is because I know that I'll get these good tracks suggested to me. And every time a song you listen to finishes, another one starts pretty much that's been suggested for you. And I have to say that the selection of songs are really, really within my taste every single time. And I am, you know, it must be based on what I was previously listening to. So I think SoundCloud has a really good opportunity here to really own that music discovery space. I mean, in terms of what it looks like as a product, I don't know. But Spotify have clearly kind of validated a demand for that type of product. And SoundCloud are already doing that quite well. So I'd be really interested to see if they could do something more here. That is actually really interesting. I definitely am a huge fan of Spotify's Discover Weekly product, and I haven't actually been too in tune with uh, SoundCloud's discovery tools, but I think definitely worth checking out for all of our listeners. Now we will turn our attention to the French invasion of CES in Las Vegas earlier this month. So even last year in 2015, French startups started making headlines at the Consumer Electronics Show. But this year, I think they really took it to the next level. There were nearly 200 French startups that showcased at the event. So I'm not talking about just showing up. I'm talking about actually showcasing. Some of these companies were probably better known brands. So things like Parrot, WeThings, Devielle, these are all kind of I'd say on the the more mature end of the spectrum, but there were also a lot of younger startups. A few startups that got a lot of attention include Smart Shower Hydrao as kind of a scent-driven alarm clock called SensorWake, friendly robot called Buddy by Blue Frog Robotics. And uh, there was one company that won the best award for startup at CES, and they present themselves kind of like an espresso machine for wine. And it's called Divin, so it's a play on words in French. And so this is essentially like an espresso machine. You get these little capsules of wine, and their, their machine actually makes it the right temperature, kind of puts it in the right conditions so that the wine is really optimal no matter which wine you drink. You can drink it prepared at that particular moment. So France has a lot of good hardware companies that are popping up, and they cover literally every type of product you can think of. So I think probably in terms of the tech.eu list that we published, I think it was in 2014, about all the different hardware coming out of Europe, we may need to update that list pretty soon. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know if you know this, but how many kind of were also in IoT or, or kind of at least leveraging IoT? Or was it, was it kind of pure hardware? Because I know, or at least I keep seeing that France is really excelling in IoT. And actually you do see that in terms of who's getting funding, who's exiting as well. So like I, I've always thought, you know, when I think about verticals and which countries are particularly strong in them, along with hardware, I would also say IoT. And I wondered kind of if you knew the crossover there or if indeed there is a crossover at all. Yeah, there definitely is a crossover, and France is a very strong IoT player. In terms of the 200 startups, I don't know exactly which percentage was IoT, but we have a ton of these companies. I think one that got a lot of attention was called Prism, so that's essentially a smart music player. It's kind of got a beautiful pyramid shape. They had a really successful Kickstarter campaign, and then I think even some of the products I mentioned earlier, for example, the Smart Shower, some of these are also are very advanced in terms of IoT products, and a lot of them are very young essentially just raising funding on these different crowdfunding platforms. So I think France has a lot going on in that space. 
Cool. Now let's turn our attention to person of the week. So this week's person is someone that, disclaimer, both Neil and I have not met, <laughs> but somebody that was highly recommended to us from the team at Atomico. So it is Turkey-based investor Kenkut Durgan of Aslanoba Capital. And I think it's great because we also get to feature an ecosystem that we've kind of covered a little bit less frequently on the podcast. So for all of our listeners who don't know him, he's an early stage investor in Turkey uh, who founded his current fund, so that's Asanova Capital, in 2013. Uh, the company has actually invested in a lot of, it looks like a lot of kind of e-commerce type activities. They have some companies like Vivens, Mealbox, Hotel Runner. I just picked a couple off of their site portfolio, but actually looks like they've done about 20 investments, probably more. And they've also invested in Turkish startup media and a local incubator as well. So they seem very active considering they've only been around for a few years. This is quite interesting. I mean, actually looking at their investments, there, you see he's invested in Mealbox. What's interesting in both in terms of that and both in terms of Turkey is that actually Yemek Sepeti was, I think it was the third biggest VC-backed exit last year. And that was a Turkish company in this food delivery space. So not only is kind of Turkey an opportunity, but also in terms of exits, that's possible as well. So this kind of investment or being an active investor in Turkey could potentially pay off. I mean, especially if you are kind of invested in those type of areas that we all know that, you know, Rocket like to snap up and there's consolidation going on in those areas. So I think kind of Kankud, you know, if he's very active in Turkey, he actually has a big opportunity to kind of be quite a big player in that region. Perhaps he, he already is, like Roxanne said, we don't know too much about him. But I'd certainly say there's a huge opportunity for that, especially if we're seeing such big exits potentially coming from Turkey if they are in the right space. Yeah, I'd say definitely a fund to watch and a country to pay attention to. And actually, prior to this fund, he had launched a US-based VZ fund as well called Romulus. I hadn't heard of them, but they've actually done some really impressive investments. So they were in CrocDoc, which was acquired by Box, Gift, Ella Cart, which came out of Y Combinator and more. So, I mean, really, I think he's got probably a really great experience. And just in case founding two VC funds wasn't enough, he's got an engineering degree from MIT, MBA from Stanford. I mean, he's probably at the top of the list of people you want to meet if you're heading to Turkey. Yeah, and he's also got a fairly active blog, and you can find that at cdurgun, D-U-R-G-U-N, Com. And it's a very kind of personal, almost stream of consciousness type blog. There's not too much kind of on the Turkish scene or, or kind of VC per se, but it, he's got stuff on how to do a good e email intro or why he doesn't share jobs on social media. I'm not sure how insightful it is, to be completely honest, in terms of kind of Turkey and its scene, but it certainly gives an insight into his thoughts. Yeah, I would say it's actually, um, it reminded me a little bit of Fred Wilson's blog. Sometimes Fred Wilson kind of just puts in his random thoughts as well. So I think it's it's very similar, although it's done by somebody in Turkey scene. So I would encourage our listeners to check it out. So finally, turning to the last topic of this podcast, I thought it would be great for us to discuss European acquisition culture. So we're definitely seeing a lot more acquisitions going on in Europe, but it's not necessarily European-based corporations doing the acquiring. So I've had numerous discussions with people about this over the years and acquisition culture in Europe and the general consensus, at least in France, I'm not sure if it's different in other countries, is that European corporations don't generally acquire. But this might be changing. So this past week, for example, uh, French company Michelin acquired UK-based Book a Table, which specializes in online reservations. So 
that's kind of an interesting play for coming from them. I guess they probably want to go up against, um, at least in France, there's La Fourchette, which does the same type of online reservations for restaurants. But there's also Open Table that's very active and a number of other players as well. And I'd never actually heard of Michelin acquiring a tech company, but they've actually done two since the beginning of the year. So they also acquired another UK-based company in online tire sales. So it's just really interesting to see that a company founded in 1889 is kicking off 2016 with two acquisitions. So I'm wondering, are other European corporations maybe beefing up their acquisition strategy? Yeah, I mean, actually, I would say this varies depending on on each country in Europe. So in Germany, we see there's quite an established market, I would say, from kind of more traditional companies acquiring tech companies. And you actually see the majority of tech company exits in Germany are from being bought by bigger, larger, more traditional German companies. And that's kind of in contrast to other countries in Europe. Germany is definitely kind of the main offender, if you like, or, or the, the place where that happens the most in Europe. So I'd, I'd kind of say there's an established market in terms of, of German companies doing that uh, within the country. And also that happens in Sweden. Sweden's kind of geared up its exits the last year. And the majority of those, are again, by kind of more traditional Swedish companies buying them. So while I don't think it's necessarily happening that much on a European-wide scale, it's beginning to happen in terms of individual companies. But what's interesting for me is I, what I think is kind of the real sign of a kind of maturity of an ecosystem is when will European companies start buying American companies or Asian companies or actually instead of we're always talking about how good it is that our companies get acquired, but actually, in a way, that that we're still very much a smaller fry. So I wonder if the tables will ever turn, or we'll ever get to a point where European companies are regularly buying from outside of Europe. Yeah, and I had the exact same thought as you. I thought, you know, we we're starting to see definitely more European startups getting acquired by European corporations. I have to say, not that many, but probably in the markets that you mentioned, Germany, maybe in the Nordics. I think definitely in the UK as well, starting to happen in France. But I think definitely we have not seen a lot of European-based companies buying American startups or equivalents to what they want to buy in Europe. So it was interesting for me to see Michelin at least go across uh, the channel and buy companies in the UK. Definitely didn't expect that. But I think it would have been a whole other ballgame had they actually gone to the US and bought you know, somebody a little bit uh, potentially more established. Definitely. Uh, but I think it's good that they had kind of had their eyes open at least to, to go across the channel or, you know, at least they kind of they were alert to, to European opportunity rather than kind of just perhaps looking within France, for example. So at least kind of they are, you know, they had their their sights or their horizons uh, a little wider. Um, and while it might may not be, you know, such a great thing for France's France's companies, I think it's it's quite healthy for Europe to for other companies to be looking at Europe as a whole in terms of where they're buying from. Yeah, I think we'll probably, as you said, we'll have to wait for our market to make it to peak level maturity when they actually start going across the Atlantic. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, that's it for this week. We will be back next week, of course. Please do leave your feedback to us. We're now 
We're not only live on iTunes and SoundCloud, but we're also using Acast as well. So you can find us on Acast, uh, and that's the embed that we're using in the post now as well. So do look out for us on there if you use that platform. You can obviously reach out to us on Twitter as well. I'm at Neil SW Murray, and it's at Roxanne Vaza, and obviously at tech underscore EU with the website tech dot eu but that's all for this week we'll be back next week thanks Roxanne thanks Neil